Welcome back to DC Cinematic Minute, the daily podcast in which we analyze Zack Snyder's Justice League by each individual minute. My name is Mark, and you can find me on all social media at Mark Meadows. And my name is Nathan. You can find me on all social media at No Clutch Nate. And today we're going to be talking about minute number 55 of Zack Snyder's Justice League. I almost said uh, Aquaman, but that is not the movie we're talking about today. But we are talking about a lot of Aquaman today. Uh, This minute is going to start with Aquaman gazing at the trident of King Atlan. And, well, not the actual trident. We'll get to it. Uh, And then the minutes are going to end with Arthur asking Volko, what does he want from him? And that's right. We're going to be talking about uh, this this uh, this here Volko here, who's actually in the movie this time. Um, let me see if I can pronounce his actual his full name correctly. Is it Nuitis Volko? I don't know if I'm that sounds that. about right. Nuitis Volko. Yeah, um, yeah. So Volko is in this minute, uh, played by the good old Willem Dafoe. And uh, well, I don't know which one you want to talk about first, Nate. But uh, what's uh, what's your relationship with Volko? How do you? You know, um, I I don't really know that much about Aquaman, um, so I'm sure a lot of people who are watching this for the first time, they're just seeing it and going, oh, Willem Dafoe's a character in this movie. That's it. I don't need to know who Volko is. Uh, maybe they've seen Aquaman, so they know who he is now in hindsight, but uh, yeah, was Volko ever an imp- impression on you when you read comic books, when you managed a comic book store, et cetera, et cetera? I wouldn't say impression, but Volko was always um, Merlin. He's the same person. He's the same character. Um, yeah. And shit, it's, <laughs> his name is Arthur even. I mean, it's the same same exact thing. Um, yeah. No, not so much as prominent character uh, in my Aquaman lore. Um kind of just chalked it up to the to the to the older wizard that taught him you know he Mm -hmm. was uh, the waterbender type guy that he did all the magic stuff with him um no i kind of feel like i paid attention to more of like garth when that stuff was happening uh maybe it was because i related to garth in the way where he was a younger guy and he had water powers and that was cool Um, yeah but volko not so much uh, what I can tell you now, though, Volko uh, gets put on a pedestal for me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's incredible. I mean, he's great. Even with this with this part right here and then later on in the Aquaman movie, that's some solid Willem Dafoe. I mean, I don't think I've seen a, a, a movie where he's been portraying a character where I've just been like, I don't like that. It's always a treat when you see him mm-hmm. in there. And it's been a treat since Spider-Man 2, you know? It's just like, when when I was younger and I would see movies with him in it, it was always, that's the guy from Spider-Man. Oh, that's Green Goblin. Cool. Like, and when you have those types of associations, growing up and not really knowing actors' names and things like that, you just kind of connect uh, with them just because they show up in some of the movies that you're re-watching or whatever. Mm-hmm. So it's really cool, and um, I just think it's a great choice to have Willem Dafoe as Volko, as, as this teacher, as this learned individual this this hardened atlantean who's lived for you know hundreds of years probably maybe um just a cool underwater wizard yeah it like willem dafoe does an amazing job like elevating the character that he's playing Mm -hmm. so it's not just like you know normally when you have like a great actor bad character or bad you know story 
at least people go, well, you know, that guy was good as that character. It's almost like, you know, some criticism for Ben Affleck's Batman is, oh, I love Ben Affleck as Batman, but is he my Batman? Absolutely not. It's like that kind of argument that people will have. Um, Same thing people say about Henry Cavill's uh, Superman. But Volko here is now like a cherished character in Aquaman's pop culture. Like, as far as the general audience, like, oh, when they think of Aquaman, they know that he he now has a mentor, um, kind of like, you know, as you said, Merlin, which is, you know, we'll get to that in today's minute, because this really is the Excalibur minute here. It really is. This is. It really is. Excalibur. I mean. <laughs> uh, but, like, Willem Dafoe, whether he's doing comic book characters or where he's, you know, in the lighthouse, um, you know, when he's in those movies... The character, or even even Boondock Saints, like a character who, at the time where um, homosexuality was still being kind of made fun of and it still wasn't accepted around the world. I mean, we're still fighting that fight today, but having this lead protagonist detective who was openly gay and also like you know had this charisma about it, yeah, yeah. no nonsense, um, dude, and just like going into it with Willem Dafoe, it not only just makes it like, oh, Willem Dafoe is good as that character. It's like you actually care about who those characters are now. And so with Volko here, you know, he's had such a different history without throughout the DC uh, history, whether it was the New 52 or before Golden Age, um, and even in the animated stuff, Young Justice and all that. Um, his history, his continuity is always changing. Here in this version, this this movie here, this is like the best version. And we say it a lot with Doom Patrol, but sometimes we say like, sometimes these things are being adapted for the best version that they are and have ever been. Uh, we say that a lot with Rita Farr and some of the other characters. But like this right here, like Volko is being represented in like the best shape he's ever been in. And because um, I know sometimes they cast him as just as corrupt as Orm or Ocean Master. Uh, sometimes he sometimes he is like the former advisor and he's using his magic uh, just because he's scared of losing his connection with Atlantis. Uh, so sometimes he has shaky, um, a shaky relationship with Aquaman. And I know that they kind of did that with the new 52 and you know you don't really have an attachment to him you don't really sympathize with the character and then they just start flooding in all new different characters like the others and then they introduce Mara and they're like get to know Mara instead of Volko which is fine and all but we lose this really cool King Arthur Merlin connection that they have here that they can play around with Um, and this is one of those things where Zach and Chris Terry are like no it's here like we have a King Arthur, we have a Merlin, we have an Excalibur, which is the Trident. Like, let's use those things. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember really the for the first time for me, you know, grasping the concept of who Volko was, that was in the Flashpoint Paradox. Like, seeing that movie for the first time and that book for the first time um, where Aquaman is actually being advised by Volko and he's ordering Volko to use his magic to corrupt the Atom to make this kind of nuclear bomb. Um, that was the first time I was like, okay, well, wait, who is this guy he keeps talking to? Mm-hmm. Um, and then that's when I started to 
you know, understand that this guy is part of Aquaman's mythos. Um, but this is, this is even better than that. This is, this minute right here was one of the minutes when we were watching it for the first time. I was like, Oh, it was like, yes, absolutely. We finally get to see it. Of course (laughs) it was, we saw pictures. We knew it was a thing and we got it. Yeah. It's so beautiful. It's It's a beautiful minute. It's so well done. Like even the beginning, like just, you know, with the obscure like bubble, like you don't see him. You just hear his words and then he turns around and like there's like this water bubble happening, but you still can't see Volko. You still can't see Willem Dafoe. And you just kind of get that quote where it's just like, king who would be man, son of a human father and queen of the seas. And it's like, you still can't see who's talking. And it's like that. Oh, but you can see who's talking. Once you hear that voice, you know. Let me tell you, (laughs) if, if this line of dialogue was uttered by literally any other human being on this planet, I would probably be like, Okay, and like, you know, okay. give, give me, give me some, oomph. give me some. What about James oomph. Earl Jones? Um, nah, it, it would, work. it would have a ceremonial effect to it, and I'd be like, I'm paying attention to you, but uh, give me more oomph. The way that Willem Dafoe delivers this line, "King who would be man," is like such a dig at Aquaman. And he mm-hmm. knows it. And it's like such a prolific dig where it's like, I'm going to use poetry to insult you, mofo. Like, yeah. I am so far beyond you and your entire mind and your entire concept of this planet and your kingdom that now is the time I'm supposed to be using tough love. Should have done it 20 years ago, but hey, teens are teens. Uh, Whatever. You know, but like now when he is saying this, just this, this entrance dialogue, he, it's just an introduction. One of the greatest introductions that you could ask for, for Aquaman. And it's delivered by an amazing actor with an amazing voice and the oomph he puts behind it. I feel the weight and I feel the struggle from Volko of years, years and just being torn back and forth between the promise that you made and this shit bird kid who just likes to go swimming, you know? Like, I can feel the 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 stress in his voice, and it's just like I am staring daggers at you, man. Yeah, it's like Willem Dafoe, like, he has such a good supporting character voice. Like, he knows what kind of... Uh, body language his voice should have which is a weird way to phrase that um like the way he sounds the way he delivers his lines it feels like how the scene looks because you have Mm -hmm. Volko at the bottom of the steps looking up as if like he has that theater voice you know and like you hear it and you're like this man (laughs) he's like like i feel like i'm at a stage play right now and he's saying these lines like this and it has such this like supporting voice to it like i am here to this royal voice he's just it's just like you are it's like he should have been like saying like at the end of it like pause your majesty as if it's like yeah i'm talking to you you know who you are. Get yeah. your act together, dude. It's one of those things where it's it, it's just great. Um, it's just great. I really enjoy the king who would be man part. Yeah. And it's just, 
And that's a that's a dig, right? Because it should be yeah. man who would be king. Yes. Like it's the reverse. It's like, it's, oh, you are a king, but you've you don't want to be king. You want to be, you know, you want to Dude, you be are king than... of the ocean. 70% of this planet. You, this is your domain. You are in it right now. You have no idea what you can, you have scratched the surface. Yeah. And you want to hang out on the surface? Oh, no. It's so beautiful. It's at, such a here. beautiful scene here. Like this really is Zack Snyder like, okay, I get to do my Excalibur scene here. This is King Arthur. This is Merlin, you know, behold Excalibur, the, you know, the sword of power kind of, uh, you know, moment they're in a lake of this movie. Or water, you know, they're yeah, in a body they, of water. They are. And Dude's he's in looking the lake. at, uh, he's looking at this stone version of the trident. Uh, the real trident, not his mother's trident, not the one that everyone criticized for having three points instead of, uh, or five points instead of three points, like an actual trident would. I remember that silly criticism. Um, and it's like, no, because that's not the trident yet. He doesn't have Excalibur. If Aquaman, you know, was just coming out the gates with, with you know, the Excalibur of tridents, you know, why would he, where would his character progression be? Exactly. Why would he, why would Where's he, Where's the adventure? Know, it's you know it's like superman just getting the suit without really going through the process of learning his history of krypton with jor-el and everything like that it's like you can't just you can't just put on the suit you can't just get the trident without really trying um that's that's not how it works um but this this scene here and even like even when it's not an actual close-up shot of the two actors, like Jason Momoa and Willem Dafoe, like in this beautiful set that they got, even when they do the wide shots, and it's just like this uh, aquatic air pocket, and you've got all this aquatic life, you know, whizzing around in the background. Shots like that, those wide shots, those are beautiful because it's like, look at these two royalty, uh, you know, Atlanteans, in this underwater environment like yeah. that's that's like what an unknown environment like you don't know you don't know yeah. if there's people talking in air bubbles down on the bottom of the ocean it's just it's so fantastical it's just it's, it's great yeah and this is like something i wonder about because it's like you have willem dafoe on on the on the casting so that usually brings in some people you know some people are like oh willem defoe's in justice league i need to go see it like willem defoe's doing another comic book character that's enticing to go see it um hearing this scene seeing this scene if we would have saw this in theaters this would have been just <laughs> like a nerdgasm moment like this would have been like yeah this scene rocks like that would have been a theater experience yeah cinema this would, experience yeah absolutely this is you know i've actually now that i think about it we still haven't seen this movie in theaters yet and i wonder if we ever will i hope we do one day it'll it may uh, be like private or like one of the local theaters or something will like yeah. put it on or well something i don't know maybe maybe after the I guess 4K edition becomes more readily available in the U.S. Uh, mm -hmm. People will start, it'll start popping up. Um, um, by the way, if you've gotten a copy of your 4K Justice League, Zack Snyder's Justice League, uh, send us a picture on the Facebook. Why not? If you're one of the, the lucky few that have gotten it, I know it's not, even a, it's not even really an option right now for us unless we jump through some hoops and 
you know, I just kind of want to go to Target and get it. Go the Jack Sparrow route. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it's uh, with the with the success of Army of the Dead. Um, I think Netflix is going to be doing the theater access for more of their original movies because it did so well. Um, I don't know the exact number that Army of the Dead made in theaters, but it was successful enough that Netflix was like, wait a minute, we can actually put our movies in theaters. And when you and I saw Army of the Dead in theaters and we saw that Netflix logo pop up, I was like, damn, we're really watching a yeah. Netflix movie it was in wild, theaters. Right? <laughs> it was like insane. That was really cool. The um, uh, the frequency that Netflix original movies come out, though, it's like that may be tough tough waters to to uh what's the phrase i don't know well to travel just because navigate tough waters to navigate just because who do you pick and choose which original movie from which studio gets to get a theater release and is it only like the people that have real deep pockets that can be like look we can pay you this amount to put this movie in these specific theaters and however money works get the returns i don't know because it doesn't even have to be uh uh, movies it could be a tv show as well because i know uh hbo did game of thrones like first two episodes of the season they would put that out in theaters people would go watch it were they were they uh fathom events um i don't think they were fathom events i don't think they were fathom events but I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, even well, even Fathom itself is kind of in that same boat of, of Netflix. Is like, when are they able to slot in a Showtime, given the traffic of every other yeah. big studio movie putting out? But now that you know movie theaters are opening back up, and so many movie theaters have closed, and movies are coming back to the theaters, you know, I I would assume that movie theaters are trying to soak up anything that they can and so netflix might be like yeah we've got movies to show uh zack snyder's army of the dead was a huge one to do i think they will probably look at movies like that in the future um and of course they have another zack snyder uh you know animated film or series coming out so i wonder if they'll try to do something with that as well but they obviously know the audience that it brings in and netflix understood the draw that the name Zack Snyder brings to theaters, you know, I wish WB knew that as well with, with this movie. I wish WB understood that with Willem Dafoe as well, because, you know, cutting out Ryan, you know, the Adam from this movie, I understand that, you know, Warner Brothers doesn't have the best ethical track record. So I understand them cutting out that kind of person. Um, seems kind of racist in my opinion, which, but you know, Warner Brothers has been under a lot of fire lately. But cutting out Willem Dafoe seems like you're cutting out a big actor. Yeah. Um, even if it's a small role, it's still substantial in the sense of like th- you're setting up for your other movie, Aquaman, and this is that. So you should probably include that. This but really then, is that. It's just so silly. It really is. It's, while we're, it, uh, I was gonna say, while we're on the topic of um, movies and streaming services putting things on or whatever kind of wanted to shout out do you remember that time uh in the beginning of the pandemic um later in 2020 when uh the met opera would uh release like uh free free videos free showings of their 
performances. Do you remember that? I was that just was talking to someone. Time. They're still <laughs> putting some out now. Like they have like nightly opera segments where they're like, yeah, check it out. We're just oh. going to have like, here's this one uh, arrangement that you get to see and perform and, you know, move on to the, something else. Yeah, I was just telling someone about Phantom of the Opera when they released that for like a week or so that was for awesome. people to watch. And I watched that, I think, twice. It was awesome. And that that was like one of those things where it's like, this is really going to help me get through this pandemic. Because everything really was. was so such a bummer. But man, seeing that Phantom of the Opera performance was... I think we all watched that. We this all was watched before, it. Uh, we were doing our little Discord parties and, and watch-alongs with everyone. But, man, that would have been something I wish I could have watched with you guys. I think we all watched it on, on our own, but mm-hmm. uh, that was great. Yeah, I was just telling someone about that. That was a great time. Um, and, yeah. I, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to derail everything. That no, was a little you're selfless not de- plug. Hey, go check out some theater, okay? Yeah. Man, I want to see that. Like, that. <laughs> I want to go to a Fathom event. I haven't been to one. Um, I've only seen DCI, uh, Drum Corps International, on yeah. Fathom events, which is, I, 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 could, I could watch it on my computer, you know? Like, yeah. what the hell was I doing? <laughs> they always do, like, the Studio Ghibli ones, and I'm like, I've already seen those. I've been yeah. to some Studio Ghibli Fathom events. There was another, uh, I think, a Yu-Gi-Oh! movie at one point came out, and, came out with that. Um, yeah. I had a couple of people from work call out one day they requested off because the newest dragon ball z super uh movie was coming out it was like the new brawly movie and mm-hmm. i kid you not i think three or four people like requested off that day because they were all going to go see it and i was like is this really that big of a deal but hey i'm no judge i mean Zack snyder's justice league was coming i, I hey i need four hours Oh, give yeah. me four can't give me five i'm gonna be do not contact me for four hours i'm gonna be in a movie theater watching a movie I should have saw back in 2017. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, anytime, yeah. Long story short, put this movie in theaters. I need to see this scene. This is a, this is not a, a scene that I, you know, I'm thankful I saw it with you, Nate, and I saw it with Matt, but this belongs in movie theater. This is a cinematic moment right here. Even this regular is, theater. I mean, look, the, where they're standing right now, that's a stage. Like, this yes. is this is this is the stage right now. They are on the damn boards performing, and it is such a good back and forth dialogue between these just two characters. And there's so much weight that is happening right now. Pun not intended because of water, bottom of the ocean, yada yada. But yeah, this is. I mean, this is essentially like a stage stage play we could see right now. You could, let's do Justice League stage play, huh? Yeah. I would just want to see the sets. I just want to see the sets you guys make for Justice League. That'd be cool. We talked about it before, but like the Shakespeare transliterated versions of mm-hmm. these movies would be great. Uh, stage plays, like the way Superman dies in, in Dawn of Justice feels like a, a tragedy stage play moment with the music and, and the lighting effects. And this right here feels the same way with the staircase. Oh my god! And and Volko's armor here. Mm-hmm. This armor looks so good. This looks like you know the Kryptonian armor, but it's the Atlantean. And so now we have, you know, and it's we not shiny. Have... It's not like bright or anything like that. Like how we did see Atlantean. Have we how we have seen Atlantean armor in past scenes, and also like with images of Aquaman when he gets his, you know, yeah. uh, titular suit. It's not shiny. The dude's been wearing this armor for years. 
and he's underwater. Yeah, it's I gonna tarnish. <laughs> I wonder if that's the thing. Is like it's just weathered <laughs> it's just by the, the salt water. Yeah, it's just yeah, 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 tarnishing it instantly. Oh, they can't even so have good. steel workers down there. <laughs> I'm always a fan of these Mandarin collar collars. Oh like yeah, one hundred percent high collars around the neck around here on Vulco, and just the way it kind of slants down into mm-hmm. the chest, and then you know, man, this is a good looking suit of armor. It's, Let, it's, I, it looks like um. Ooh, that it's, looks good. It's, it flows. I don't know what the what the organic. I guess. Um, sometimes when you look at Ryan Reynolds' Green Lantern armor, when he, particularly his neck to where his uh, what are these muscles called on your shoulder? The, oh, uh, deltoids. Yeah. Um. So like where Ryan Reynolds' deltoids are and stuff like. Yes, I know CGI suit, but there's like some smoothing issues out with it where it's like I don't know if the proportions are wrong or not. Um, but it's just like weird smoothness and that weird smoothness kind of, uh, gives it that skin tight look. Yeah. I can see it here, but this is a real suit. This is real. This is real material. This isn't no CGI Green Lantern costume. Or is it? Because sometimes I'm surprised, like even with with General Zod, I'm going to say this is a real suit. But I would be surprised if it was CGI. I yeah okay. Let me you know what I mean. All my all my eggs in the basket just yet. So it could be CGI. But it could be. I would be very surprised if it is. And on the same term, I'm giving a a round of applause because you made the armor look just as good, if not better, than you did in Man of Steel years ago. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, my only other note is about what he says, you know, you're talking about like him kind of insulting with poetry, with poetry. Um, and that's when he was saying like, you sleep, you never sleep in one place yet. You keep coming back here. Um, and you know, Aquaman saying, I like it here. It's quiet. Um, and then Volko says, this is your inheritance. I, I like that because I, I try to think about like what is dragging Aquaman here? Is it what we talked about with like the moral law within? Is it destiny? Is he fated for this or is he choosing to? Like that's something to chew on there. Like I really like that that idea where it's like sure it's his inheritance, but don't think of him as a as a silver spoon child. Like he's coming here for a reason. He's coming here cuz he he likes coming here. But why does he like coming here? Um to to go off of the inheritance bit, I feel like Volko would have been really the only one driving that thought into his mind as a younger man, mm-hmm. and t- you know keep on reinstating the fact that hey you are you're better than what you are you're better than your dad on the surface you're better than everybody on the surface and you are king of everybody down here so telling somebody that at a young age is and then constantly telling them that in in order to try to keep your promise to the to the lost queen it's just like you are destined for bigger things and he keeps telling him that and i'm pretty sure he's probably just like i'm tired of hearing that i don't care that's too much responsibility it's the classic you know that's i don't want that responsibility i don't want any part of it but him for him to keep on coming back here it strikes a chord inside of him and he's just you know obviously he says it it's it, he feels comfortable here it is his inheritance so in turn it is his home 
the ocean is also his home, but here mainly it's the closest he can get to a family member, you know, an, an Atlantean family member, I should say. That's probably mm-hmm. that's probably a good a good basis right there. The closest he can get to an to an Atlantean family member, uh, anybody that he can relate to, I guess. And I don't know, maybe subliminal thinking about him seeing King Atlan or the statue of King Atlan secluded away from everything else, not even near anything Atlantis, really. I don't think that's a good one. Um, and him being like, hell yeah, I'm gonna do this. Like if I if I'm gonna choose to be king, then I'm gonna be king on my own time and on my own watch and i'm gonna you know hang out in a, in a coral field away from y'all <laughs> no it is a good idea a good you know something to think about because like we're nowhere near atlantis we're not in atlantis this is just a statue of king atlan uh, that's sunk into the bottom of the ocean um so there's no significance to it this is not the real trident um but he's drawn to it. He's drawn to how isolated it is, but how revered it is still, how respected it is, how finds it as this kind of uh, sanctuary. Uh, so it's a good sure there's moments of it. him trying to get inside the brain and inside the mind of King Atlan and being like, what would, what would I do? What would you have me do? Do I do the things that you do? Do I lead these people? Do I just say no and completely give up and let them do their own thing? Because... You know, I wasn't born here. I wasn't raised here. I really don't have that much of a connection to these people other than Volko and you telling me how much I am connected to these people. Yeah. And how uh, good of a king was he? Was he? Yeah. A- how good of a king was he and fears of, oh, I can't yeah. do that. I'm nowhere near that. Why would I do that? Why me? Was he a nice king? Was he a benevolent king? Or was the trident just powerful enough to make people respect him? You know, it's one of those... Uh, Prince's, uh, the the duality thing. Do I, did he get people to love him or did he get people to fear him? Or is it the Uh, sword? Yeah. It's the man Uh, of the sword. And so, you know, it's that kind of thing. It's like, would the, would just having the trident in my possession, would would that really just solve all my problems and solve the problems of, of the people of Atlantis or would they still continue to be barbaric and petty like he says they are? Um, and even, vocal here when he says like this is your inheritance is that um is that supposed to be a fault in vocal in vocal to to be like yeah it's more than my inheritance i mean yes it is my inheritance but um i'm not going to put on the suit just because it is my inheritance Hmm. i want to put on the suit because i want to be a good king i want to do the right thing for my people and my people might not just be at the Atlanteans, but it could be um, both Atlanteans and man's world. Um, and this is really good. It's it's good that we have this here. Uh, as far as pacing, this is good because we just had all that Amazon and and Wonder Woman stuff that's been going on. We're still in chapter two of the Age of Heroes. So now, when we do get to the Age of Heroes story with Dark Side and all that. At least now we know who Atlan is and we know about the Atlanteans enough to, when we see them, we go, oh, they're the Atlanteans we've just been informed about. We've kind of had uh, our toes in the water, if you will, about Atlantean culture. So it's not just the Amazons that we're looking at and being like, oh, okay, I know the Amazons and here are men, but there's more men here coming off boats, but 
oh, oh, those are the Atlanteans. Okay, now I understand the difference between them and King Arthur's men. Different King Arthur, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, this is a really good moment in this film. This this is a minute that like makes me want to go watch the rest of the movie. Yeah, after it seeing really this does. Minute. <laughs> it really does. Uh, I've been really uh, jonesing to see Dawn of Justice again, uh, and I think yeah. I might. Yeah, I think I might rewatch that one again. I'm debating. So. Um, like uh, I have to tell you off mic, I guess, okay. but yeah, let's, let's Don't go ahead. Justice and... is my comfort movie. That is like yeah. a movie that I could put on at any given time and be like, I I can hear it in the background. I can watch it. I yeah. can see it, and it's like I know my parts that I want to pay attention to. I know the parts that I can dip out and say, Yeah, I got a plan in my head. I know exactly what's happening. Like, it's exactly. so comforting watching that movie. Um, exactly. This movie is. I've seen it so many times now and have been analyzing it and stuff. Where it's quickly becoming on that same level, but. Uh, no, Dawn of Justice and Revenge of the Sith, those like sit up there. Uh, this the movie came out three months ago. I know, what, right, it's wild. <laughs> it only came out three months ago. Um, and it seems like it's been forever. Mm-hmm. I think it's a Disney song. Um, I think I made that joke already. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think sometimes I think about the idea of watching Dawn of Justice is like a really good way to start the universe. Because I know there's Man of Steel and I love Man of Steel. Um, but I almost feel like you gotta get the other characters in. Yeah, but like you gotta know what else is going on. Seeing Dawn of Justice as like your first entrance point, I feel like so. I feel like some people might criticize it, but for me, that's like a cool idea. It's like, what if you started the cinematic universe just being like, okay, the Superman exists, and what the hell is going on in Metropolis? Like, it's it's just Superman's fighting something, and you have like Batman. the beginning is just the destruction of Metropolis, and it's like, yeah. well, that alien in the red cape caused it. Do you still yeah. think <laughs> he's cool, or like, should we try to assess the situation that's happening right now? I mean, that's how Excalibur starts, right? With Uther, King Uther, like, uh, you know, wanting Excalibur from Merlin, and and going through all that stuff, and 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 having that uphill battle into the castle, like. When we watched Excalibur uh, and it starts off like that, that's where it's like, this is awesome. Yeah. This is, you know, this is how it starts. I, I love that kind of stuff. Um, but anyways, yeah, let's go ahead and wrap it up for today. We have plenty more to talk about. Uh, if you guys enjoyed everything you heard, you can find us on all social media at DCEU Minutes. And we will catch you guys on Monday for minute number 56 of Zack Snyder's Justice League.